Hello, and welcome back to the Cuse Conversations podcast. My name is John Boccasino, the communications specialist in Syracuse University's Office of Alumni Engagement. I'm also a 2003 graduate of the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications with a degree in broadcast journalism. I am so glad you found our podcast. Brittany Berry and Logan Bonney are the co-owners of Anything But Beer, a brewery and taproom in downtown Syracuse. Specializing in gluten-free and grain-free foods and beverages, Anything But Beer was open for about one month before COVID-19 forced the restaurant and taproom to close down its dining room. Brittany and Logan weren't sure if they could afford to keep Anything But Beer open during the pandemic, but rather than ceasing its operation altogether, the two decided to shift their focus to helping the area's healthcare workers, many of whom follow the same kinds of dietary restrictions employed by the restaurant. Thanks to donations paid for by online contributors, Anything But Beer is now providing its gluten-free and grain-free meals to medical workers through a series of free deliveries paid for by those online gifts. To date, they have delivered hundreds of meals to Upstate Medical University, St. Joseph's Hospital, and the Syracuse VA Medical Center. Our next guests are Brittany Berry, an alumna of the class of 2018 from the College of Visual and Performing Arts, and Logan Bonney, a 2017 graduate of the Whitman School of Management and also a graduate of IVMF. Guys, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Give me some background into uh, how the idea came about for your efforts to give back to our healthcare workers. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, thank you, John. The, so where this started was, uh, well, <laughs> actually, it was really Brittany's uh, idea here. Well, I think we're, we're kind of influenced by the interactions that we have. And although I think this kind of threw a kink in a lot of our plans, obviously, as it has for most of the community, um, you know, as, as we were even more closely connecting with people through this, because we are now here in the restaurant every moment that we're open, <laughs> um, it connected us with a lot of the healthcare workers who were coming in after really long shifts or calling and asking us to stay open a little bit later so that they could get here. Um, and it just, it was a, a reminder for us that the dietary needs that we are meeting, that isn't going anywhere through all of this. And in fact, it's become an even higher demand because these people who otherwise might go home and cook for themselves are exhausted and are working even longer hours than they normally were. Um, and it, it just, it kind of lit a fire under me personally. And, you know, Logan's filled with a lot of hope all the time. I think I'd maybe hit a wall. Um, at the time that we had decided to do this, where I was like, maybe we should consider closing for a while. Um, you know, this is putting a lot of strain on us and it's, you know, it's difficult times. Um, and I think that having a few of those interactions in a row just kind of re-solidified in me that what we're doing creates value for the community. And there are a lot of opportunities for us to give back and we have purpose within this, even if we didn't realize it at first. Um, and so, I think starting this was really, it gave us a sense of purpose, it gave more hope, um, but at the same time, the outreach that we've been receiving since starting the program has just been huge. Um, the healthcare workers are extremely appreciative that, that anyone cares that what they're going through is, is really tough. Um, some of the stories are, are horrifically sad. Um, you know, it's, it's families really, really hurting. And a lot of these nurses are, you know, they're trying to be a positive light. And then 
going into a break room for five seconds and crying their eyes out and then getting back to work. It's, it's emotionally and physically stressful um, on these staff members. So, uh, you know, once we decided we were going to do this, it was like, all right, all, you know, all in on this. And, you know, it's, it's kept us open. Um, it has allowed us to bring in more of our team to help, um, which has been awesome. Um, it's fulfilling for them as well in a time where people are lacking kind of a sense of purpose and how do you give back to your community? And I think it's, it's giving our team a little bit more hope as well, which is awesome. Yeah, and I think that uh, as far as like that purpose goes, I think so many people feel like they're just on the sidelines and they can't help. And this is this is a platform where people can jump in and uh, and be of help in the uh, the war against coronavirus. Uh, and it's been really cool to just read through some of the notes when people like give a donation to the program. They leave a little note, and uh, one I just read recently was. Uh, St. Joe's was there for us when we needed their help. We want this donation to go to St. Joe's. It's like, yeah, great. We're going to, well, next week. So uh, next weekend. Uh, the, this well, week, this, yeah, this week we're actually donating 100 meals to the VA hospital here in Syracuse. Um, we had been hitting about 60, 65 meals per hospital. They requested 100 because that would actually feed their entire staff that day. And we're like, all right, I think, think we can handle it. We're, we're pretty new and we hadn't done all too many large orders, but we've kind of gotten in a groove of it now with this um, this new program. Uh, so we're really excited to deliver meals to the VA. Um, so far, we have delivered to Upstate Medical, which has been hit really hard, and they lost a lot of their staff to uh, New York City. Uh, a lot of their staffing uh, traveled down there to help with the pandemic there. So they're running very short staff. Uh, and we've delivered to St. Joe's Hospital, uh, who are experiencing very similar similar uh, strain there. So uh, definitely getting a lot of positive feedback on that. Um, you know, this is a close-knit community. All of us have had family members or ourselves in one of these hospitals, and we recognize, uh, you know, how, how much of a need that they're really filling. So it's awesome. When it comes to the offerings that anything but beer has, with it being 100% gluten-free, um, it seems like this is a really good partnership between the the food that you guys offer and a lot of the healthcare workers that are out there, they follow strict dietary restrictions and, and they're very cognizant of what they're putting into their body. So I guess with that being said, Brittany, how how much of a natural fit did you guys see this being, the, the food that you were offering and the need that could be met by these healthcare workers who are clearly taxed and stressed out, you know, working 18 hour shifts, they need to take care of their bodies because if they break down, you know, the healthcare system breaks down. So this seems like it's a really good fit. Yeah, it's definitely something that I think we had anticipated prior to all of this in general, uh, we knew we were going to have close relationships with the hospitals because of the dietary restriction component. Um, But the, I think the thing we hadn't really noticed was, uh, that these people aren't going to have time to cook for themselves, which just, it does make the world of difference. So for instance, I have a grain allergy, uh, which is part of the reason that we're doing this. Um, But if I, you know, eat out somewhere, I end up in excruciating amounts of pain. And that's, um, you know, that makes me pretty much incapable of helping anyone else or doing anything or doing my job. And these people are working, you know, 12 to 18 hour shifts and, you know, hospital food isn't usually terribly dietary restriction based. There's usually a cafe and they've got some baked goods and some coffee. And, um, you know, when you're working those kind of hours, you want to go home and go to sleep. 
you don't want to cook for yourself. Um, and, and that is the outreach that we were getting. It was like, please stay open a little bit longer. Like I'm just so exhausted. I just want to eat something that I know is safe. Um, and it is, there, there is probably a higher percentage of the population within the hospitals is gluten or grain free. And, and those are stats that we had found prior to all of this. Upstate has a huge um, gluten-free population there within their staff. Um, additionally, we offer vegan options, and that is a big deal within our hospitals as well. We have a lot of people who are vegetarian for religious re reasons in our local hospitals. Um, and so making sure that we are providing not only all of our meals are gluten-free, we've also been doing about 50% of the meals as vegan as well. So. Um, just making sure those options are there for people so that they can safely consume something and continue about their day and help other people. You, obviously, you guys had to have some difficult conversations, um, as any small business has, with regards to you know, the coronavirus and, and weighing the viability. And I know that there is definitely a market out there for you know, takeout meals, but um, how, how did that conversation, Logan, play out when it came to the decision to keep the doors open or close down? And then when did you guys have that light bulb moment of, wait a minute, we can still stay open and, and come up with a solution where, again, we're feeding uh, our hospital workers. How did that whole process play out? <laughs> uh, I mean, a lot of this is just, when, uh, when this started, literally twice a day, all the laws were changing. Um, and we, we were trying to figure, we were having a meeting of when, what should we do going forward prior to uh, being shut down, uh, meeting scheduled for 11 o'clock. 10:30, and we we're talking about what we're going to do. Someone walks in and says, "Hey, they just said that uh, we're all supposed to shut down as of tomorrow." Like, oh, I guess uh, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> the dream is dead uh, after only one month, and you're probably wondering what the heck did we get ourselves into? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, that's uh, so. Really, we on the fly. Uh, we had to become a much smaller company. Uh, it, it really, really sucked because we just hired like 36 people uh, and like we're not a, a restaurant anymore. Um, that's, uh, and we didn't have the uh, take up set up and ready to go yet. Uh, but, you know, we, we just stayed open and that started pivoting to do the takeout and delivery. I know Brittany was instrumental in setting it up really quickly. Yeah, we, we hadn't really planned on uh, having takeout and delivery so soon. Uh, mm -hmm. We were still getting our bearings. Um, we very much, as a business, have a focus on bringing people together and events and that type of thing. So we had been putting more of our energy in preparing for, uh, you know, having larger events in the space, hosting, you know, bridal parties and, and all of that. Um, you know, we, we started this as a means to bring people in the community together. And that's definitely been a, you know, challenge to with, you know, uphold still during these times. Um, but it, it meant that we needed to make new decisions for the business every day. Um, and that's basically how we've been handling this is as new information surfaces, we sit down together and we reassess you know, what the business needs to do in order to accommodate these times um, and what we personally can handle. Uh, the, you know, the team has shrunk down a lot. Um, you know, we were a, we have 5,500 square feet in our space. You know, we had a whole bunch of servers and bartenders and a busser and a large kitchen staff on every night prior to this. So we had a large team 
for a short period of time. Um, and we had to temporarily lay a lot of people off. Uh, we are slowly starting to, you know, pull a few people back as we're figuring out new revenue streams during all of this and figuring out what our new workflow looks like and what, what we can't afford. Um, and that's one of the really cool things about some of these things is uh, it's, we're, by being able to do things like this, we can start to bring people back on and recreate those jobs that disappeared when all restaurants in New York closed. Yeah, it's 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 really, it was stunning. And, and, and you mentioned this, Logan, how quickly the rules and the laws seem to be changing. And it seems like from, you know, when this first came about, even in the first week, there were so many different pivots and changes that we all had to be prepared for, for what businesses could and could not do and what the rules were for social interacting. And obviously with social distancing in place, you know, it's really hard to, you know, you can't go to a restaurant. I mean, they've shown those graphs out there of how one person can really contaminate so many people if they're out in a public space, like a restaurant to enjoy a meal. So that's why I'm so glad to hear that you guys were able to take this to pivot and give back to the community with meals having been delivered so far to upstate medical, to St. Joseph's hospital, the VA hospital is on tap to get more um, meals coming for their healthcare workers. How has the response from the community, Brittany, how have you been struck by just how well this has been received and the support? Because obviously, you know, one of the cool caveats of this is these meals are being donated um, through online contributions and we'll get to how people can make a donation to support one of these meals. But you're almost taking a little bit of a leap of faith when you take this initiative that the community is going to respond and step up. How have you seen the response from the community been to this cool initiative? It has been really, really positive. I think, you know, the, the path leading up to this for us was twofold. You know, we did have those interactions with healthcare workers, but we also were having interactions with people who were coming in to pick up, take out, uh, you know, we've been offering curbside pickup and delivery. And so that connection with the community also is showing us that people want to help. A lot of people are feeling really driven to help other people who are less fortunate than them or who are, you know, more on the front lines than they are. And, you know, they just were looking for a way in order to contribute. Uh, You know, how do you help? How do you find purpose in all of this? A lot of people were becoming depressed really quickly, I think, because you are separated from your community and you're separated from your family and your friends and you're seeing a lot of stress. The news is, you know, the news coverage, you, if you're only watching the news, you're probably hurting a bit inside because it's, it's dark right now. Um, and I, I was getting that response from a lot of just community members in general. Um, and, and we've actually had a lot of people donate in person here, um, you know, early on who are like, you know, can you get meals to nurses? Logan's mom had been contacting us mm-hmm. from Long Island. She's like, I want to donate to nurses. My mom <laughs> had out there as well. You know, there's, I think the news coverage for the, the healthcare workers has helped this initiative a lot. Um, the community is feeling that strain. They're feeling gratitude and they want to be able to show it. Um, you know, and for us, we've, we've got the commercial kitchen. We have the capability of meeting the kind of strict requirements that some of the hospitals have as far as food that is delivered. Um, so we, you know, we have that capability and it seemed like a shame to not utilize that. Uh, you know, we had, we had a lot of inventory because we had just opened and we'd placed our first initial big orders with a lot of different vendors, you know, a month in, we just, we had tons of food and it was like, all right, you know, we, we have the capability. We have the supplies right now, which a lot of people are having a hard time finding. 
um, in order to to produce this many meals. Um, so it, it just it felt right. Uh, it felt right. How did you guys go about coordinating with the hospitals? What type of legwork had to be done? And just how strict were the restrictions uh, that were placed upon you by the hospitals to make sure that, you know, the food meets their specific, specific criteria for, uh, for this donation? Sure, sure. Um, some hospitals are more strict than others. Um, <laughs> but, but basically, I just, I went ahead and contacted all of the local hospitals. Um, you know, I sent emails, I called, a few of them were harder to actually get in touch with the right person than others. Um, but, you know, even the operators at the hospitals are just filled with gratitude, even at the idea. As soon as you say why you're calling, they're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And so even that like first touch point with each hospital has been really positively received. Um, and then really through most of the hospitals, I'm, I'm either speaking with someone who's really in charge of voluntary services or donations, or even at St. Joe's, I've been speaking with the director of, um, of employee relations. And really, it's just, it's been this kind of like surge of gratitude, which I don't know, I think maybe sometimes restaurant life feels a little thankless uh, sometimes. Um, and this very much has been opposite of that. Um, but, but yes, I've been coordinating with them. Um, there are different requirements given these times where normally you might do kind of large catering, which would have lower packaging costs and lower human resources because you're able to do um, like large pans of food. Um, but instead, we are individually packaging uh, for obviously safety concerns and all of that continuing to distance people during their meal times at the hospital. Uh, so we've been individually packaging all of the meals that are going to the hospitals, um, which works for us because we are dietary restriction-based. It allows us to really clearly mark what dietary restrictions each meal is meeting and making sure the right people, you know, get the food that they need. So, um, you know, and, and additionally, uh, there are kind of some rules about what types of food you can send, um, which is a little easier for us because we are dietary restriction-based you watch the news and you do get depressed and it's, you can find yourself being in this isolated place. Uh, you know, gone are the days where you can go see your friends and family. We're long, we're missing that community aspect that really, you know, Syracuse is known for and our alumni, we take care of each other. And that's one of the powerful aspects of the orange network is the looking out for each other. And it really seems like, we need each other to come together, you know, now more than ever during this pandemic, That, which is why it was so rewarding to hear about this effort um, of people stepping up and making these donations. So, Logan, for you, when you see, you know, strangers want to make a donation, strangers want to get back, people are wondering what they can do to give back to those healthcare workers who are working their tails off to keep us safe. It had to be so gratifying for you to see the response to this. Yeah, it's really cool to, I mean, Every single donation gets a little message on it uh, and that people write, and it's, it's really cool. I think it'd be cool to actually collect all those messages and uh, post them at some point. But uh, it's, you know, when we first were conceptualizing it, and I think Bernice had suggested it, it's like, all right, well, let's just give it a shot and see how it goes. And uh, it's, been, I mean, it, it's been really cool to see how much people just want to do anything that they can. Uh, and that's, I don't know, it, it's really cool. I think we were anticipating like doing, you know, 10 meal 
like deliveries to urgent care centers or doctor's offices. I don't know that we were really preparing ourselves for uh, 100 meals donations to hospitals. Um, and so I think that we're maybe still a little bit in shock at the response that we've gotten. Um, and I think that it has grown to this point really because there are no like local limitations on it. We're getting donations from around the country. Um, a lot are coming in from California and Massachusetts and middle of nowhere <laughs> that I, you know, I don't, I don't think we know anyone there, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's interesting that this has a kind of universal pull. You know, there are healthcare workers everywhere. And although maybe we're not donating meals to healthcare workers in Missouri, um, people who are in Missouri still resonate with this uh, and, and still appreciate that this is an opportunity for them to give back. Um, you know, this isn't just a local problem. This is worldwide. And I think people are really coming together over this and, you know, although this is very scary and very difficult and uh, is definitely going to change the landscape of our economy and our businesses, I think we're going to see a really positive um, shift in our community as a, a social landscape. Um, people, at least some people, especially here in Syracuse, I think are going to walk away really appreciating their city more, appreciating their local businesses more, organizations, their friends. Um, it's it's going to pull people together. Um, and I definitely think we're seeing a lot of that through this uh, donation platform as well. So it's been really great. Now I've been doing a little bit of research here, but if people do want to get involved in making a donation, you can go to a couple of different places. There's the website, anything but beer.com on the upper right. There's a tab that says donate meals. That'll take you to the square site to make a donation. You can also of course, search for anything but beer on Facebook. It's a great Facebook presence. You can find out what exactly is being done uh, with these meals and how they're being uh, sent to our hospitals. And it's great. The response has been from the community so far. It's great that the donors have really stepped up. Are there any messages in particular you guys would like to share from people who have made a donation that really touched you when it came to their generosity of giving back? Sure. Um, we are just extremely thankful for all of the donations that are coming in, and it is really making a substantial difference. The I'll be posting some this week, but we have been getting a lot of personal outreach from people who have been receiving the meals, uh, especially from those in the COVID-19 specific units um, that are really heartwarming. Um, it's, it's really making a difference in these people's days. It's really uplifting them in a time of a severe crisis on our community. Um, and so, you know, if, if you are looking to feel uplifted yourself um, and give back, I think it's a really good opportunity to, um, I recommend following the Facebook event that we've created for this. It is where I'm posting photos and responses from people um, so that people can follow along on the journey. Um, Cause it, it definitely, you know, it, it, it's disheartening times. Um, and, and sometimes you just need to feel as though, you know, you're connecting and you're, you know, helping your community in a way. Um, but it's, it's been really great to, to receive the donations. I would uh, love to see more messages to the healthcare workers. Um, we've been handwriting them here um, and, you know, as people leave them, even if you cannot donate funds, if you leave messages on our Facebook page for the healthcare workers, um, or if you are donating, leave the note within the donation, we will hand transcribe that and make sure it gets to uh, individuals on the healthcare team. So 
That's so touching to hear. And I was watching one of the videos on your Facebook page before we talked. I believe it was the upstate medical uh, workers were waving to you guys as the meals were being delivered. You can really see the, the gratitude and it's it's so touching how this community kind of comes together. And but it goes beyond just delivering these meals to the healthcare workers. You guys also have set up uh, a donation to go to the Food Bank of Central New York, where our, our less fortunate citizens can go to get meals and get food assistance. Can you talk a little bit about how that partnership came up, where you wanted to take some of these contributions that were coming in to give back to those less fortunate? Sure. Uh, so we have been a partner of the Food Bank uh, since we opened the brewery about two and a half years ago. Um, we participated in their major fundraiser uh, every year, and that was postponed um, this year because of COVID-19. Um, it's usually in April. Um, and they had just reached out and said, hey, I just want to let you know that we're, we're canceling this. And it was a, a touch point for me because it is such a huge uh, portion of their funds every year. Um, and as we're temporarily laying people off and we're seeing a lot of people furloughed in our community, it really hit home with me that their services are more needed now than ever. Um, and I, you know, initially I had put a, I just, I had simply been posting their donation platform to our social media account. Um, and then I, you know, realize that we could kind of tie that into uh, other funds that we're trying to raise. So they're just, they're better at feeding people than we are. They have more resources. They're substantially larger. They've been doing this a long time. They make a dollar go very, very far. Um, and, and we just, we wanted to kind of split the difference. Yes, there are people who are on the front lines who need to be fed, but there are also people who are at risk of being hungry. Um, and these times are really taxing on our community. A lot of people are out of work. A lot of people are going to be out of work for a while, uh, dependent on how this affects our economy. So, you know, just making sure that the organizations who uh, do the most for our community to keep people safe and to keep people well fed, uh, I felt that it was really important that we make sure that they're well supported uh, in any way that we can. So we've um, we've been donating 10% of all of the donations um, that are coming in from citizens to the food bank, um, which just goes really far there. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's awesome. And, and again, it really shows that we're all in this together. And you know, your donation can go for double the good, both in helping these meals for the needy healthcare workers who are putting their bodies on the line to keep us safe. And of course, for the food bank as well, which really takes care of those of us who are needing a, a helping hand you know, during good times and bad. And especially now, there's a lot of people that are finding themselves in need of assistance. And uh, I want to go a little bit more back to this, the business model for the restaurant in particular. What would you say, Logan, is like your most popular or most popular dishes uh, when it comes to, again, the gluten-free or the vegan or even the keto options that your restaurant offers? What are some of the uh, the top hits that people might see if they come there for a takeout order? Hmm. So we have... Well, actually, Brittany could probably cover that because she's more to the data. <laughs> <laughs> Top sellers are definitely the fried chicken, the mac and cheese, and the chili Brussels. So I think people are kind of looking for that, that comfort-type food. Um, and people who typically can't have gluten or grains, like fried chicken just blows their minds, you know. <laughs> um, it, it's, just, it's, I think, finding uh, some comfort in the food while remaining safe. Uh, to your dietary needs. Yeah, and that's uh, but our like restaurant concept was we wanted to have a place where 
anybody could walk in the door and have food they can eat and beer they can drink and all of it enjoyable. And they can just focus on what's important, which is enjoying, you know, the company of their friends while eating out, which could be to some people totally inaccessible previously. We we never should have recorded this on a, on a morning because I now have a ravishing hunger for some of that fried chicken and mac and cheese. It sounds delicious. And we'll have to make a point to, uh, to get a takeout order from you guys. It, it's an awesome business model. I'm so glad that things are are you know you're making the best of a bad situation? Um, how how did this come to be that you guys uh, were co-partners and co-owners? Take me through that conversation of this restaurant and what made you guys want to launch a, a brewery and a restaurant in the first place. This idea started, and uh, I did my master's in entrepreneurship at SU, uh, and uh, this was my project where I did market research, and we found that there was a large number of people who were drinking beer but didn't enjoy it, and then the, we kept going with the data and the research, and we found that there was other groups of people who couldn't enjoy the craft beer scene at all, uh, so we made a, uh, well, I started this concept to uh, service niche consumer segments and allow them to be a part of the craft beer scene, uh, and Brittany, which we had a previous working relationship at a property management company, uh, I kind of twisted her arm a little bit uh, <laughs> uh, and she has a uh, a great background in design and uh, which has been uh, well you can probably talk about your own background better than I can sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you talk about your background a little bit there as to how because and, and just to give our audience some insight uh, Logan uh, graduated uh, with a master's degree from Whitman School of Management in Entrepreneurship and Emerging Enterprises. So you could see you know, his background, his piece of the equation, uh, where he would fit in. And then Brittany, you being a visual and performing arts uh, alumna coming out of VPA in 2018, you also had some involvement with the Blackstone Launchpad, which does great work uh, with, with entrepreneurship, with, with emerging ideas and technologies. There's a lot of synergy, it seems like, Brittany, between what Logan uh, brought to the table and what you would bring to the table. How would you describe your interest and your involvement in in getting anything but beer off the ground? Sure. Uh, well, Logan and I have been working another business together. Um, and, you know, I kind of thought I was coming on to anything but beer, just doing some consultation and helping with research and understanding our user needs and how the brand kind of tied to that. Um, you know, I think maybe six months in, I realized I had invested so much of my energy in this that I was probably here for the long haul. <laughs> um, yeah, he did twist my arm a little bit. I didn't really think I was going to be a brewery or restaurant owner right now. Um, but, it, you know, he, he promised me that I would grow as a leader and uh, learn a lot and that we could uh, find ways for this business model to give back to the community and um, you know, help service some of the things that I value in life. Um, but I studied industrial and interaction design at SU. Um, my specializations were in user research and um, experiential design, like how, how consumers are interacting with businesses, how do businesses create value uh, for consumers. Um, and so it's a little different. It's kind of uh, maybe on the outlier of the VPA school uh, where we're maybe a little bit more data driven um, and kind of doing something more based on need rather than um, art. Uh, so it's a little different. Um, but that said, you know, I, I do love the creative end of it. Um, early on, I was able to do our branding and, and all of that. Um, but really, you know, it, it was about servicing needs. 
Um, you know, how are we best serving the needs of people who are feeling left out uh, of various industries? And so a lot of our, our jobs is research and, um, you know, figuring out what the current needs are, what are they going to be going forward, and making sure that we're, we're meeting those needs. Yeah, that's a... And so through that process, like that process of developing a business at, at a Syracuse University, we did multiple business pitch and plan competitions, which kind of put us through the ringer to uh, <laughs> develop the, uh, the finalized concept. And then uh, as we, we incorporated the business, and then I went to uh, IVMF's uh, EBV program uh, at Cornell University. So Syracuse University's like the headquarters for IVMF, but they have other partner colleges where they send people for more specialized things. And uh, yeah, IVMF has been so helpful in professional development uh, for helping just like laser focus this concept and get it right. And uh, yeah, we, yeah. We, we participated in a lot of different things through the university. Uh, we were part of the Blackstone Launchpad, uh, which provided a lot of support to us. Um, we did the student sandbox while I was still in school. Um, Developing a business while you're in school is very, very challenging. Uh, thankfully, Syracuse University has a lot of resources that I think help accommodate that. Uh, it didn't hurt either that Logan and I were both kind of returning students that already had studied other things and had already worked. Uh, so, you know, once we determined that we were actually starting this business, we were, we were all in. Uh, so those resources were just the cherry on top, really, which was awesome. When you look at those extensive resources that were available to you through Syracuse, what are some of the biggest lessons that you feel you were uh, had imparted upon you by your time, whether it's Logan with you with IVMF or the Blackstone Launchpad, uh, Brittany with all your talented VPA professors? What are some of the lessons that really stood out to you that have, have shaped you along this journey? And for At least for entrepreneurship, it's uh, making sure you focus on the people, uh, the people who you want to uh, – use your product, your pro the people that the product is for, like everything you do has to be focused on other people who you want to service and uh, really getting outside of your own head and looking at the community that you want to service and letting that guide all of your decision-making that I think has been invaluable in, uh, in our business. Yeah. And it's, it's a very similar thing taught through my programs. I think we were able to really be on the same page very early on um, there are, unfortunately, a lot of businesses that aren't focused on creating value for the community, and typically those businesses will not survive. Um, you know, the key to a successful business is ensuring that you're meeting a need uh, that people have so that, you know, that, that drives revenue, that drives your decision-making. It allows you to pivot when you need to uh, because society changes. Um, it doesn't mean that your business needs to remain the same. Um, and I think that we've carried that forward through the last uh, nearly three years now, um, just being able to pivot when needed. We've rewritten the business plan so many times at this point. <laughs> just being <laughs> and understanding what the community needs um, and, and planning accordingly. Uh, and I think we both took away some similar aspects from our programs in that. Um, you know, I think he has a bit more of the, um, you know, the financial and, uh, you know, business end of that knowledge, and I'm I'm bringing a little bit more of that, uh, the tangible, like how do you research and how do you connect with these consumers, um, and so we've really melded minds here. 
Logan, when it comes to your background, uh, I know that, you know, did a little bit of research before we came on the air and you had some experience, you know, with the New York Air National Guard. You've got that veterans background. And then, of course, you are involved with the IBMF program itself. You know, we always talk about Syracuse, you know, they get awards for being a best place for veterans to come and attend and, and, and further their educations. And you seem like you're really living proof of all the the resources and the benefits that can happen from somebody who is in our armed forces or is in the military that does come to Syracuse to further their education. How would you say, what role did IBMF play specifically for you with regards to what it offered you and your development and, and making you, uh, you know, a, a, this well-rounded, you know, CEO and, and co-owner of this awesome brewery and tap room that is really making a difference for people. Yeah, they were uh, post-graduation. I mean, even during graduate, during my time at SU, they had uh, different like clubs and student support activities, which were really helpful. Uh, and then once I graduated, looking at these different professional development programs like EBV, and they did a, uh, uh, another one, which was just like a, a large conference that they hold in Texas. Uh, and it just, it just keeps you focused. Uh, you know, we, we get into the business and we're in the grind. Uh, it's kind of easy to like start to stray away from like those business fundamentals. Uh, like what is it, what are those fundamental things that will make sure that your business is accessible? And, uh, every time I do like an IBMF, uh, type of, uh, event it's like oh yeah this is what i need to be focusing on it's just a like reset uh nice and then also the uh the resources if i can always reach out to people at the programs like syracuse university professors or professors at cornell who are associated with ibmf uh for advice uh and it's uh it's been really really great support They've also been excellent support from a marketing standpoint as well. Um, you know, they've featured us in a lot of different things, and they've gotten us a lot of exposure that we might not have otherwise, especially early on. Uh, you know, they gave us a few of our, um, you know, like early possibilities of kind of working events and, and doing things like that. So they they have supported us as individuals and as a business, um, and have really been a great organization. Yeah, and. Uh even people associated with uh, IBMF, the, the EBV Foundation, uh, the uh, the people who are running the EBV Foundation, uh, speaking with them, they provided some great mentorship and refining the business plan to make sure that we're heading in the right direction. Well, I know this is definitely not how either of you scripted uh, the launch of anything but beer uh, during this terrible pandemic known as COVID-19, but you guys have really adjusted and adapted uh, to what the, the situation has has become in front of you with limitations obviously there's still we're gonna we're gonna get through this and you know we're gonna come out the other side and and you'll be able to go and visit the lovely downtown tap room and restaurant of anything but beer to get a meal and get a cold beverage out there but for those who are listening you can still do curbside pickup and delivery at the restaurant in downtown uh, Syracuse on Salina Street go to anything but beer Dot com to visit for more information, also to find out how to make a donation uh, to support the meals for the healthcare workers and also for the Food Bank of Central New York. Logan and Brittany, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. We wish you nothing but the best moving forward. And thank you so much for all you're doing for our community. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting us on. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for checking out the latest installment of the Cuse Conversations podcast. You can find our podcast on all of your major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. 
You can also find our podcast at alumni.syr.edu slash Conversations and anchor.fm slash Conversations. My name is John Boccasino signing off for the Cuse Conversations podcast.